We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 269 of the pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso, here to bring you all the latest and greatest across the NFL, big league baseball, the postseason is set. Uh, none of Chicago will be represented in that vein, but Matt Rooney, first and foremost, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. It's already it's already Wednesday. Uh, it, it, football season always seems to just kind of fly by and it makes these Tuesdays and Wednesdays kind of drag on, but... It's just so damn nice having football on like five times a week. It, it really does yeah, make get, the weeks go by faster. You get into your groove. Uh, I do have to admit with my um, full attention and commitment being assigned to the NFL, I really don't do much college outside of Saturday. Like it's on all day in the yeah. house Saturday, but like mm-hmm. I'm not sitting down and watching it. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from college on my picks. Uh, that's again, that, Joe, that's just smart. Do. That's wise. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Being a, that's being a smart better. But I guess before we get into the NFL, before we get into some bears here, what like what sh- should I know uh, about the college ranks right now? Is it is it simply the fact that Georgia and Alabama are still better than everybody? Does the Bryce Young injury sort of open up the door to some other teams? Like, what are your expectations here now that we kind of have an idea of who teams are at this point? I don't think the Bryce Young injury opens up too much. It sounds like from what Saban said, that this is something he's kind of had happen before and might not play this week, but for the most part, he's going to be just fine. And then also when, uh, when he came out of that game against Arkansas and Arkansas started to stumble a little bit, Alabama just decided that we're going to run the ball down your goddamn throat. And mm-hmm. that's what they did. And they're like, Oh yeah, we can still do that too. And uh, I'm blanking. I think it's Jalen Milrose, the backup quarterback came in like he's a dual threat guy who can run. So they're going to be just fine with that for a week or two without Bryce Young. They have Texas A&M this week, who's just they're they they're terrible. They're not a good football team. Their offense is brutal. I think Alabama's going to win like thirty-one to three after that off-season drama and stuff too. But I think Ohio State is. Uh, people were saying Ohio State might be on that level with Alabama and Georgia this year, and I think we are starting to see that after Georgia started out really fast at that forty-nine to three win. Last couple of weeks, they've looked like they've stumbled, and it wasn't like fluky stuff that kept you know Missouri in a game. Georgia just kind of got beat up front, and while that probably won't continue, like they are not quite as good as they were last year because last year was one of the best college football defenses of all time and a really, really darn good offense too. Um, and I think Clemson might be getting back to – they're not full-on Trevor Lawrence Clemson good, but they are a much better they're football much team better. than they were last yeah. year. They figured out how to use DJ smartly. And I, I think having a five-star in Cade Klubnik as their backup has allowed them to feel comfortable, um, you know, letting DJ run a little bit more. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. what they're starting to do with him. They feel comfortable letting him run the football. So, unfortunately, if you don't like chalk in the college football playoff, I got no problem with it. Some people, I'm not not you personally, but some people like seeing the different people, which I, I don't mind seeing a different team here and there. I kind of think this year is going to be Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, not necessarily in that order. But uh, I, I think those are probably your four. And I think it will be a little bit of a toss-up because I'm not sure one team is, is head over heels better than the other. Yeah, bring me, uh, bring me, bring me your best. That's all I ask. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that's where we're headed uh, this season. But let's dive into the NFL here, Matt, because it was an interesting Sunday. Uh, speaking of getting to know who these teams are, I think the, the Bears are showing their true colors a little yeah. bit more than they have 
um, in weeks past with the false hope. Uh, they lose 20 to 12 to the Giants in a game that really was, I don't know. Like, that's the thing about these Bears games is that, like, you can't really put your finger on when they are and aren't decided. They're so nondescript. There's no flow. There's no momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no sign of progress right now. And I think that this was the worst performance of the season for, uh, not for Fields, but for the offensive line. I'd say yep. Fields. Um, I Fields some, is fine. I thought Fields made some awful decisions against the Texans. I thought he looked a little skittish against the Packers. I thought he looked fine against the Giants, but there was like, there was only so much that he could do behind this offensive line um, that really, really struggled in this one. You take a yeah. look at some of the numbers. Khalil Herbert ran hard again. I feel like that's something that we can just raise our hand and take for granted for the yep. rest of the season because, like, as long as he's healthy, that's what he does. Um, I, I've always found, and I think I've sort of brought this theory to the table here on the podcast before, the Giants are the East Coast Bears. I think they're just a couple years behind in the process of realizing that their quarterback isn't the quarterback. They're in their Trubisky era right now, outside of the fact that I think that Brian Dable is the coach, whereas Nagy yeah. was not. But if you want to yeah. draw some parallels between these two teams, it's like you got this running back right now who you're likely going to have to franchise tag next year because he's leading the league in rushing, and you're not going to pay Saquon Barkley. Let's not kid each other. You'll slap a franchise on him this year. He'll hold out. He'll slap a franchise on him the next year. He'll hold out. It's going to be what it's going to be. You're not going to give a long-term deal to Saquon Barkley. But I think that they are realizing that regardless of what happens, regardless of being 3-1, and one, like Daniel Jones just doesn't have it. Um, I don't know. What was your big headline out of this game? Because it was just sort of, a, hey, somebody score once a quarter yeah. and 20 to 12 is your final. I was I, – I, I actually liked how Justin Fields played. I, I thought it was – given how, how he looked in the Houston game, I thought this was a really nice response from him. I thought he made some really nice throws and 14 for 22 for 174, by no means, you know, lighting the world on fire numbers. But I thought, you know, if we're looking for signs of progress, I thought there were plenty of those. I thought he made some – plus-plus throws, the deep ball to Mooney. I thought the third down comeback route to Pettis was a perfect ball that just went yeah, through his hands ball, and yeah. off his helmet. Like I thought that was great. Um, but my- the deep ball to Mooney, though, Matt, that's like like we can we can start to actually have a conversation about Justin Fields yeah. when the when the playbook opens up. And I just don't know why. Like It was so, good to see. I'm, I'm trying to be positive here. Yeah. It was good to see the playbook open up a little bit. But it's got to open up the problem with opening up. Here's the problem with opening up the playbook. And I think it does need to open up and you need to figure out ways to do it. Holy, holy hell. Sam Mustafer is a God awful pass protector. There were four or five times where he just whiffed on a basic linebacker cross, like Like head down, like head down first step. Like if I'm on scouting Wesleyan, I'm getting bitched out. (laughs) And I'm not like, I I, laugh, but like, I'm not kidding. Like I like, uh, there's a few accounts on Twitter that, uh, you know, you follow that put out some of the all 22 clips. And honestly, this year, I'm, I don't know how you go about doing that, but I'm very interested in doing that because I want to try and like be able to break down fields a little bit more outside of just the game, like the, the game broadcast that we see. Um, Sam Mustafer's got awful. Uh, he can run block. I'll give like that's fine. Like he can block in the run, and that's 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 half the battle. But the amount of like people are getting mad at Justin Fields for not staying in the pocket, and I do think he does need to stay in the pocket a little bit more at times. Like Braxton Jones didn't have his best game, but he was okay. And Larry Borum didn't have his best game, but like you can live with getting beat on the edges sometimes because you can step up in the pocket and you kind of work around that. If you're getting a gap pressure from the word go. 
you can't do a damn thing. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care if you're in Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, whoever. If you are, if if there's a twist up front and that, and both guys are in ASAP, or if Dexter Lawrence just does a basic pull move and he's right by you, like you are not only not only have to bail out right away, but there are a couple times too where thank God Tevin Jenkins was there to give a hand or Lucas Patrick was there to give a hand. Like Mustafer gets beat, and then you like so. You know, field sees Mustafer gets beat. He starts to kind of bail a little bit because he's seen this before. And then Jenkins comes and actually, you know, helps out and gets a gets a hand on him. But still, the damage is already kind of done there. So I, this is Cody Whitehair getting hurt is a Huge. bad sign for Fields' development because it probably. And I, I hope, I really, really hope that Lucas Patrick's hand or whatever it is is keeping him from playing center is okay because I think going forward you need to bump Patrick over to center, which is his natural position. Um, Tevin Jenkins needs to start at right guard. I know they're probably, it seems like this staff is playing a little bit, um, you know, prove it to me rookie in practice too. Like you got to be on all the time. And I get that to an extent, but at some point he's your best right guard. Like he has to be in the game to keep your quarterback upright. And Alex Leatherwood just came off IR. I know he's a failed project with the Raiders, but like, man, why, you know, yeah, like he can't be worse than what you're getting from Sam Muster up the middle. And, I like Sam Muster. I think he's done an admirable job on a bad football team filling as, as, as a, you know, temporary stopover center. And do I think he's an acceptable, you know, swing guard ta- or guard center for when people are hurt and needs to come in for a week or two? Sure. I think that's okay. But he is not a starting center in the NFL and you are really affecting your quarterback because that, like, that's the type of stuff that messes up quarterbacks, you know, a lot going forward. Yeah, they because don't he's... Make- He's assuming and anticipating pressure. Yep. That's that's and what it's really hard to, to go here. through. It's hard to go through reads when you have when you're basically assuming that pressure because it's safe to assume it's going to come. And yeah. credit to the Giants, perfect game plan. Like that's what Wink Martindale does. He blitzes. He identified the weak spot. And he just blitzed that damn spot all day. And credit to Justin Fields, still went twelve or eleven of twenty two for 174 and, and two of those were drops and a few of those were throwaways because he got taken away, you know, taken down right away. Like. I was impressed with what he would he. Uh, yeah, I think, you, he, I think you're. I think you're a little bit more impressed. I, 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 I still think there's what I'm seeing, he, I, There's some missed throws, but I thought I thought for the most part. Forget the missed throws. Forget if they're going for touchdowns. Forget this. Forget that. Just watch the guy. And right now, you're seeing a you're seeing a quarterback that's developing bad habits. And whether that's because of the offensive line or not, there are bad habits that are developing or rearing their head again. He's doing the thing where he's he, he wasn't doing it early this season, or I don't even think late last season, but he's doing the thing that we saw when he was young and green. And I know he still is, is but mm-hmm. he's stopping his feet. He's getting to the top of his drop. He's picking his read. He's stopping his feet, and he's not even throwing the ball with his body. He's stopping his feet for so long that he's just trying to flick it and use his arm to get the ball out to guys. Whether that's me stopping my feet because I'm on my read and it's supposed to be open and it's not, you cannot do that. He needs to keep his feet under him. He needs to throw the ball with his entire body. It's looking, and I know this is always going to be the low-hanging fruit, the easy Mm -hmm. comparison because of their build, because of their size, because of their game. He's looking like an aging Cam Newton already. You know the thing where Cam kind of like would stop his feet and then kind of Flick just ball. reach, just reach back, like and throw it from his back shoulder. Like mm-hmm. he, you're strong enough to get away with it sometimes, but when you're trying to throw a deep comeback to the wide side of the field, that's a pick six. Like it, it's just, 
I'm not, I have not been encouraged by the fundamentals of Justin Fields this year. The throwing motion looks long and loopy again. The feet are stopping. It looks like regression to me in terms of what I'm wanting to see, not from a result standpoint, but from like a, this is how the quarterback operates standpoint. I don't like what I'm seeing out of Fields. Now, I will also offer that with the caveat that no decision can be made about Justin Fields, his future contracts nothing of the sort until week 10 of next season you got to see who this team is you got to see who this guy is halfway through the halfway through year three i mean it's taken these young quarterbacks these dual threat quarterbacks it takes some time i just don't see it moving in the right direction right now yeah it it seems like he was making a little bit more progress last year and I, i don't know what it is that's causing those fundamentals to take a step back in game speed in game time because all you heard was these strides he was making in camp in preseason, you can only judge so much, but you know, kind of the strides he was making this off season under this new staff. And I don't know what's causing it. I don't know if it's lack of faith in an offensive line, trying to do too much to make plays that he's reverting to old habits that worked at Ohio state, but that has to be coached out of him and that has to be worked out of him. But I just, from a decision-making process and just from an overall game standpoint, I, the fundamentals need to pick up. I just, it, I, obviously last week was, or not last not Giants week, Texans week was as bad as it can get. I thought this was a very positive step forward, and I thought we saw some flashes. Um, I, I, and I don't really, know what the that's really solution. the conversation, man, yeah. that we had at the beginning of the season of would you rather a crappy team with a quarterback that's clearly developing or a crappy quarterback with a team that's winning games? Because that was the Houston game. It was a crappy quarterback with a team that mm-hmm. won the game, and this last game was a, a loss and, I, I guess, better development or development that you're seeing that I'm just frankly not, I, I I'm not, I don't want to go completely bad on the kid just yet, but it, it's not, it's not looking good. It's not looking promising. Um, I'm worried. I am thoroughly worried about Justin Fields and his viability as a starting quarterback in the future, because a, another aspect of this, that is a little bit more, um, I guess it's a little bit more objective is I don't love, I don't love who he is outside of the whistles like I don't love his body language on the sideline I don't love the lack of interaction with his players I don't know if we're not getting shown it or it's not occurring or if he's already growing frustrated which is also understandable but he sort of has this despondent look about him sometimes it's like dude you're in a one score game against the Giants like get in someone's face Talk to your offensive line. Talk to Getze. Talk to somebody. Don't just sit there and look like, damn, another sack on the sideline. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not loving what I'm seeing in a lot of different aspects of Justin Fields right now. That stuff for me is like, I, I can only, I, I, I don't, I, you, you know what, what it is, on, though. It, but you, you can, see, you can turn you an eye what, to it because you want no, the guy to be good. No, or I know. You can look you, at it and say, what, what, why, why is my quarterback not talking to anybody until he's on the field? I know what you see, but like you only see what you see on TV and you see Justin Fields on the sideline for a flash every, you know, couple minutes when they're not on the field. You don't know that he's not up talking to people. You don't know that he's not on the bench talking to people. You don't know that he's not up with Getsy talking to him. Like that's tough for me to like, does the, does the face sometimes look like, you know, he's a little bit, he doesn't want to be there, but okay. But that's just sometimes the express, like that's sometimes just the, the, what's the, resting face is that the word I'm look, term I'm looking for like I don't think that's the case with Justin Fields at all I don't think that's a guy who doesn't want to be there I don't work think- on your resting quarterback face we fair, don't need a then- resting bitch we don't need a resting bitch face out of our quarterback work on your resting quarterback face fair if there, you want to tell him to work on so his resting many, face that's fine so but I'm not going to say the kid just want to be there there's so many aspects to what makes a quarterback great he has not checked but any of those boxes yet 
That's all I'm saying. That's fine. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you there. Like he, but hasn't I, sharpened, he hasn't sharpened his pencil to think about checking the boxes yet. I, like, uh, yes, we have to give him time, but you get one chance every seven days, and he's failing. I, I'm going on the pro- – I think he made progress from this week. The, last week to this week, I'm looking for more progress. This week, I'm going to give him the whole year. I'm going to try not to get too high and too low. And I really hope they figure out how to get him a little bit more protection up front because if you have that issue up front, especially right down the middle, it's impossible for just about anybody to succeed at the quarterback position. Next month, the schedule goes Vikings, Commanders, Patriots. Um, Justin Cowboys, Jefferson, start him in your fantasy leagues. Next Cowboys week, on the back. Especially if Jalen Johnson can't play. Yeah, um, I guess a couple of closing thoughts here on uh, on the Bears because there wasn't much to really sink our teeth into yeah. out of a 2012 loss to the Giants. Uh, Vellis Jones Jr., Oof. you can't do it. You, you can't drop that punt. And uh, I'll raise my hand, and I think all of us in the city of Chicago should too, and say sorry to Eddie Jackson because he's been he's been a bright spot on the defense. He uh, has the, been. The, the ball skills that it takes to intercept that pass, I get it. It's thrown into double coverage, but over the shoulder, 45, 50 yards down the field, like that's not an easy play to make for a receiver, let no, alone a defensive great catch. back. Like Eddie's Eddie's doing his thing. Um, he's yeah. gotten. He, he, I think he needs to show a little bit more um, want to in the run game. Um, but in terms of in pass coverage, he's been sensational this season. So I will offer that as a silver lining. Yeah, and I, I thought the de- I, I thought defensively, Roquan after a great game was just kind of a little bit invisible. Yeah, and I think I know like ten tackles and or eight solo like that's hardly invisible, but you know what I mean. I I, I didn't think he really jumped off the screen, and. That game for me was, we talked about the Texans game and how, you know, fundamentals and a hard playing team. Granted, it was against a bad team as well, but so are the, like, the Giants aren't a very good football team. I don't care what their record really says right now. Um, that was a, a not a very talented team playing with fire, playing with fundamentals and you know, just doing everything the right way, living up to what it, the hits, whatever Eberflus calls it. Like that was them kind of coming, like checking all the boxes there. I think this effort was kind of what happens when you have a when you're reliant on effort, when you're reliant on toughness and lacking a little bit of talent, and the effort and the toughness aren't there all the time. Not not to, yeah. not to say that they you know didn't try. It just I thought the Texans game was everyone was all out, and the Giants game there were some lapses, and I think that showed. I think it was a little bit of taking a little bit to wake up, whether it wasn't adjusting to those bootlegs early, which was I mean credit to him for adjusting at halftime, but how that wasn't fixed after a drive, I'm not really sure. Um, I just thought it was a little bit of a, a sleepwalking game, and that's that's kind of the game you get when you're the Bears and you have that low of a talent level. When you sleepwalk like that, you're going to lose yeah. a pretty pretty frustrating one like that. You're gonna you're gonna see. Um, I think some of that stuff tells you about where the head coach is and what sort of grasp he has on his team right now. Because, like, I don't think there's any delusion inside or outside of that locker room of what the Bears' ceiling is this season, and that's a pretty Mm. low ceiling. So to get those guys to come and play on the road, rainy day in New Jersey, um, coming off of what was an emotional win against Houston, like we had to bust our asses to beat Houston. Roquan didn't practice all week and had 83 tackles against Houston to like get back up, get on the plane, get off the plane, beat the Giants. Like it's – um. It's things that you want to see, but again, low ceiling for this team. It's not yeah. where they're at just yet. Like if you're if you're seeing them, let's see, we're gonna get Washington at home. At Commander, home. Or excuse me, we're going to the Vikings. It's, it's a tough. Then game. Washington, then it's New a England. Tough game. I think you'll learn a lot about. The, I think you'll learn a lot about the Bears again in this game against the Vikings in terms of like 
Is this a home road split thing? Is this a coming off a win, coming off a loss thing? Is this a we show up in the division thing? I think Mm -hmm. some statements can be made after the Vikings game. You come back home against the commanders. You have to expect to win that football game. You have to expect the team to respond. Then you go to Foxborough to play what is a crappy Patriots team. Then you go to Dallas to play. Like this This is a stretch of away. You're getting four away games in five weeks. This is a stretch that you got to come together as a team. You can't make the same mistakes week in and week out and fall Mm -hmm. into this trap of lose a game, come home, prepare, get on the plane, lose a game, come home, prepare, get on the plane, win a game at home, prepare, get on the plane, lose a game. Like you can't be the team that can't get on the plane, get off the plane and win a football game. You can't be that team, regardless of if you're going to win four games, seven games, 10 games, you can't be, you can't be the football team that can't get off the plane. Yeah, that game has to be a. Uh, I feel like almost a coaching point for Matty Rufus. Like, hey yeah. guys, like this ain't this ain't gonna cut it. And like, I know what people say we have in this room. Like, I know what you know. Obviously, he's not gonna say he doesn't have a talented group because he's a head coach. Can't do this. Like, I know people say about the group in this room. Like, we can't have that again. Like, the effort yeah. needs to be the same all the time. I know it's it. Sometimes road trips are tough to get up and all. It has to be the same at home on the road, or else, like you said, we're gonna find out in about four or five weeks that this team is closer to picking in the top five than it is, you know, picking number 15. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what did you think for the, what did you think about the decision? To, one last uh, question. Yeah. You know, the decision to punt on fourth and two. Um, I wasn't as up in arms about it because of the fact that we were playing the giants because of the fact that they didn't have a quarterback. Um, it was almost more effective to move the football that way. Like it was almost more effective to flip the field, get the three and out and end up maybe with better field position off a punt return, which Valus Jones ends up fumbling. But yeah, um, I think that that was the prudent decision there. I think with the timeouts, with where the clock was, um, with where the ball was placed, I think a big leg, again, no quarterback on the other side, full battery of timeouts. There is a chance you don't see the football again, but like that's something you have to take into account Against the Bills, against the Ravens, yep. against not know, a quarterbackless Giants team. No, I, I think that that was I think yeah. that, that was the right decision. I, and it was if Bayless Jones it was. doesn't fumble the punt. I don't understand. It, it seems like ninety percent of the city of Chicago thinks that was the worst decision in the history of the world. You had three timeouts of three minutes left. You're going to get the ball back with the timeout and a two minute warning at midfield like that. You're punting. It's not. Yeah, it's not like you were punting the ball to Josh Allen. You're punting here, okay. the ball to Saquon Barkley in a while. Here's what it is. You just load the box. Here's what it is. Not everyone, and not to like pat ourselves on the back here, but I'd say in terms of watching the game, assessing the game, because we played the game for so long and we're in film rooms, we watch it a little bit differently. Anyone who's been around the game and competed within the game watches it a little bit differently. And that is the small minority of fans in Chicago or any other city. We have a lot of fans that just want to win football games get this Fields guy out of there, run the ball 70 times a game. You know, the 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 fan that, I'm sorry, but doesn't know what it takes to win a football game, that's sort of an easy refrain. And that same fan hasn't removed themselves from the place where Matt Nagy's the head coach and Mitch Trubisky's the quarterback. So they have Fields on a Trubisky timeline and are holding Eberflus to a naggy level of disdain, if that makes any sense. It's like, yeah. okay, we've seen 14 games of Justin Fields. We're already ready to punt on the kid. Mitch got four years, and I get it. We're impatient because of those four years, but this is reset your clocks. Yeah. The, the coach, 
is making decisions based off of what he think he thinks he's going to do to win the football game, and he deserves our benefit of the doubt until he starts screwing up the way that Nagy did for five years. Yeah, so if, I, we we can't we can't hold Nagy to we can't hold mm-hmm. Eberflus to a Nagy level of disdain, and we can't hold Justin Fields. We can't put Justin Fields on an already expired Trubisky clock. And I think that's what a lot of the casual, uninformed fan does. Because it's a feeling. Football is a feeling. This game that we love is a feeling. It makes you feel certain things on a Sunday. And as a Bears fan, sometimes it makes you feel sadness, hatred, and disdain. And, and, And when we're stuck in those feelings because of what has happened with different coaches, regimes, players, you tend to apply those same feelings to these coaches, regimes, and players. It's not fair, but it's understandable. Yeah, I think I, I liked the decision to punt. I think it was the right decision. The, the issue I have is if you're going to, if you're good, they did this a couple times. I think third and two, not as bit, not as egregious because they also, if, if Larry Bourne makes a block on a linebacker, they pick up the first down. But the play calling was almost as such on third down that you were going to go for it on fourth. And they did that earlier. It was like third and four from like the seven. Yeah. And they just handed right up the middle with Khalil Herbert. He got, you know, half a yard and they just kicked the field goal. And you see the handoff. It's like, oh, okay. They're planning on going for this, like two, like four down territory. And then they just try out the field. Like, if you want to complain about the third down play calling and, you know, not taking a little bit of a shot, if That's you're going to, if you know you're going to punt or you know you're going to kick, fine. But the decision to punt there was, especially to a team with no quarterback, it was the right and, call. And our inability to go get the sticks. That has to be yeah. taken into account as well, you know? I I don't take too much issue with that, and not to go completely big picture because we do have to get to the games. But um, I think that everybody wants to sound smart by quoting the analytics that someone else has yeah. spewed, and we're in this era where like field goals and punts are just like out of the question. Uh, it it makes no sense. It's going to we're going to self correct. Yeah, you're ask, dumb if you don't listen much. to. You're ask, dumb if you don't listen to analytics, John Harbaugh, but you're also dumb if you only Harbaugh. listen to analytics. Ask John Harbaugh if you should have kicked the field goal tied at 20 in the red zone. I mean, that's another conversation we can have when we get to that game, but like, yeah. it, it just, it, it's, gotten, it's gotten a little nutty. Um, I still mix up the Harbaughs, but on Thursday night, yeah, the Bengals the took one. down the Dolphins, 27 to 15. A uh, scary moment there with Tua going down. I, I really don't, it's been talked about at nauseum. I, yeah. I guess I guess a short thought is here shouldn't have been on the football field someone needs to be held accountable um I, i'm hoping that Tua can bounce back and play football this year but most importantly can bounce back and get his brain in a spot where it needs to be um that's my only takeaway from this football game is that like somebody made a gross error on sunday last sunday and it led to someone getting severely injured this thursday yeah it's just you know i, I hope he's okay um, yeah. Obviously, that's that's just kind of the one, number one and only takeaway. I, I will say one thing. T. Higgins is a free agent next year, I, I believe. Yeah. And he would be an awful good target in the Bears uniform for Justin Absolutely Fields. Absolutely would. T. Higgins also was concussed last week, was brought into the blue tent, cleared, didn't have to be in protocol throughout the week, goes out there for, what was it, eight receptions for 100-plus or whatever yeah. he had. Um, not saying that that is justification or damning in any way, but, like, the, the league's got to figure some shit out here because it feels like protocol was at the forefront of their mind, no pun intended whatsoever. Yeah. But for, it was at the forefront of what mattered to the league about three or four years ago. And that's just sort of like, hey, we got some new helmets. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it um, seems to be becoming less and less important as the years Protocol on. Protocol needs to be examined because it is the way it's sort of been explained by doctors and a bunch of other people that it is not a 
symptom-based diagnosis. It's a test-based diagnosis. If you pass the test, regardless of the symptoms that you're showing, you can go play football. Stupid freaking rule. Yeah, if a guy's got baby deer legs, the guy's got baby deer legs, whether it's because he hit his back or hit his head, we're, we gotta we gotta sit him until we we're know exactly a break, what's pal. going on inside this person's body. Yep. Um, but that's enough lie. of that. Next one. Vikings. Vikings and the Saints. Vikings went twenty-eight to twenty-five. Kirk Cousins. Um, it was a daytime game, so he was fine. Uh, this one was in London, so I think you kind of throw out any sort of big takeaways, any big yeah. picture things. It's like. Kirk My takeaway is this is a football game that happened. Kirk Cousins outdueled redheaded Kirk Cousins, I think is, yeah. is how this game went. Uh, Andy yeah. Dalton still cashing checks. Justin Jefferson, it was nice to see him for fantasy managers like myself. Ten receptions, a buck 47. Um, just spectacular. And if Kirk Cousins does not target him ten times in a game, you're failing. Uh, that's essentially my takeaway there. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. It was good to see Justin Jefferson get back involved after his disappearance in, in the couple weeks after week one. Uh, but yeah, that was just kind of a game that did indeed occur. Did occur, and it occurred. 8.30 the in the morning was a good time for it. Uh, we will, uh, let's get to some question bases here. Falcons-Browns, Falcons win at 23-20. to 20. Uh, I don't really have much to ask you about the Falcons, just more in the Browns vein of things here. Do we underappreciate Nick Chubb? I feel like we talked like, about this last week, and yeah, we did. But like, and then he goes out for nineteen and one eighteen, and no one's going to talk about it because they lost by three. He's just—he might be the best running back in the game. Like, I—I I, I feel very safe saying that. Nobody wants to talk about him for some reason. I mean, he gets some love, but like, he's not put up there with guys like Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. And I just named guys that are, you know, considered superstar running backs that are perennially hurt and they don't play all the time. Like, that's what Chubb's it is. always Chubb's there. Available. Chubb's available all the time. Like, he's, he's available, the rare exception to the rule for running backs. Like, he plays 15 out of the 17, 18 games. I think I saw something like he's got the most two touchdown games of any running back since he's entered the league. He's got the most hundred yard games of any running back since he's entered the league. His yards per carry is the highest by any running back since he's entered the league. He's like top of a number of really, really indicative statistics. And um, I think that even, and yeah, we said it last week, but even when which McCullough comes back, when Watson comes back, yeah, if they're going to win any football games, if they're going to do anything, it's through Chubb, it's through the run. Yeah, in that offensive line, it's great. Cowboys Commanders any- twenty-five to ten. Uh, Matt, the simple question here, and kind of a boneheaded question, because we got nine figures committed to a quarterback. The answer's got to be no. But Cooper Rush is four and zero. He went fifteen to twenty-seven, two twenty-three, two touchdowns. Managed the shit out of that game. Won a divisional football game. He's now won. Two primetime games. One was a divisional one. He's won two divisional games. He's four and zero. Is there any grounds to sit down in Dallas? Not and, and not say okay, Cooper's our starter regardless of Dak's health. But is is there any grounds to have that conversation by the powers that be in Dallas right now? Yeah, I mean there has to if he comes if, if you God I'm just looking at Dak's contract right now because yeah, I'm no, intrigued play. by it. Oh my God, he's at like he, they can't get out of this for three more years still, four more years really. Um, you have to play him. It's it's unfortunate. Like, no, it's not unfortunate because Dak's still a very good quarterback. But like, you have to go back. And, and I you think have to Dak's still the better quarterback. I think what we're seeing though is that the difference between what is it, 185 million? 100? Are you looking uh, at the contract? 160 million over four. Years. 160 million over four years. Yep. 160 over four years is what you're getting in terms of like 
return on investment from 160 over four and what you're getting for, I just guess that Cooper Rush is making four million this year, four and a half, five million for one year. Like the return on investment in what you're spending on Cooper Rush and what you're getting on Dak Prescott, while you have to start Dak Prescott, maybe brings into question like our allocation of funds here. Yes, you got to pay quarterbacks. You got to have a quarterback. You got to commit long term to the quarterback. And the going rate is the going rate. But when you see a guy like Cooper Rush doing what he's doing, question the system, man. Yeah, it's it goes like paying guys who aren't elite quarterbacks, elite quarterback money. I think we're starting to learn. I mean, this who knows? Maybe this is the exception to the rule. But I think we're getting to a point where you have I don't to think like it is. You have to make the tough decision of saying no. And while you think sometimes you have flashes of a quarterback who maybe won your division or got you to a playoff and, you know, didn't really do anything there, like, guys, like, that's it, that's going to keep you in mediocrity. If you're going to, if you're going to pay an elite quarterback or a non elite quarterback like an elite quarterback, look what happens to teams who pay elite quarterbacks elite quarterback money. They take a they take a drop yeah. off. They have to figure the, out the how to replenish the roster. Even if yeah. you win a Super Bowl, pay a guy, your roster is going to suffer. Now, if you pay a guy in hopes to win a Super Bowl, your roster is really going to suffer, and you're never going to win that Super Bowl. Yeah. A quarter billion dollars guaranteed to a quarterback who can't play till week eleven. Never won anything in his life outside of being uh, the the passing leader for five thousand yards and four wins. Uh, you pay was it one hundred ninety to Kyler Murray? who hasn't proven that he could show up in the first half of a football game yet in his career. It's just, it's getting a little out of hand. And I understand it comes from the place of like the haves and have nots. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. If you don't, you don't, but you better be sure you got a quarterback before you break them off to the tune of 200 million, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is going to be a rough one for the Cowboys. And it's all, and it's all Cooper Rush's fault. (laughs) Cooper Rush, by the way, not even making a million this year. He's making 900 K. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he wasn't even on the roster. He got cut by the Giants earlier this season, and they picked no, him up. He was with them last year. Yeah, but he, he was with them. Oh, okay. Them, he and was then with was, them last then, year, went away, and then came, came back. He with the Giants this year, I believe. Okay. They cut him, and then the Cowboys picked them up as the backup. So well, uh, shout-out to Cooper Rush, who's going to be – who's going to have a second comma in his contract somewhere next year, whether he's – um, he's going to be one of those uh, high-profile backups – should we give Russ a, Russ a shot? Forever. That's that's just like his place in the world. Keeping it rolling here, the Seahawks and the Lions playing to just a pitcher's duel. Uh, bring bring your defense somewhere <laughs> else. 48 to 45. A, a Lions team that I believe leads the league in scoring, but simply cannot stop a soul. Uh, finds themselves in another close ball game. They're gonna we said it week one. They're gonna play everybody close. They're gonna play to their competition, but just a criminally, criminally underperforming defense. Give up 48 points to Geno Smith in this offense. I don't know that I have a question here other than, like, do the Lions scare you in terms of, like, playing them twice? Because they scare the heck out of me. I don't know because, like, this feels like their their defense is so bad. And I don't really <laughs> – like, like, I don't know how else to describe it, like – yeah, it, it scares me a little bit because I think they can score, and I'm, and I'm not sure how, like, if they're if the Bears are going to be able to, like, what the Bears' offense going to be able to do, they can keep up. But, like, this is like a couple weeks ago, Notre Dame's offense got off to the, to the god-awful start, and then they went to North Carolina, who plays great offense and just can't stop a thing on defense, and it was like, 
well, kind of which one's going to give here? Is, is the bad defense going to give or is the big bad offense going to give? And it was Notre Dame's offense that just, you know, had a day and kind of reset themselves. And I'm hoping that's kind of what happens to the Bears whenever that game comes up. Maybe <laughs> it's like a get right spot for them. But I like everybody scores 30 against the Lions. So why yeah. can't we? Um, maybe we can play him four times just to get some things sorted out. Jared Goff, I mean, he looks, he looks here, pretty right? good early. Good on him. Yeah. I'll give it it's to just, him. It's, um, I'm just good on him. You know, it's a feel good story. They're, they're just, they're just the perennial tough out. They're just yeah. going to be a tough out. Those lions. That's just um, Dan but, Campbell's. I feel like that's just Dan Campbell in a nutshell. He's, he's a tough yeah. out, but he'll still probably make it out. Oh, I have a new theory. I'm glad you said that. Oh, um, okay. Like my theory is, you know how, you know how they say like people or dogs look like their owners sometimes mm-hmm. like, like, Dan Campbell looks like a lion. No, 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 kind of though. Okay, this kind of especially kind when of, he had the long hair during his playing days. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say that players look like their coach, or excuse me, teams look like their coaches. They take on the persona of oh, their coach, like, and, and it's not just from like a standpoint of coaching. It's just like they create this reality, the coach, and then the players live within that reality. And I think the Lions very much look like their coach. Um, maybe. Maybe they're going against my theory in terms of, of like the defensive performance, but um, this this theory kind of came to light when I was looking at the Jaguars. I was like, the Jaguars are so Doug Peterson right now; it's not even funny. Um, we will get to the Jaguars in a moment, but first, Titans and Colts. The Titans win it twenty four seventeen. Reports of King Henry's demise have been greatly yep. exaggerated. It was fantastic here, I believe. Like. 140 all purpose, if I'm not mistaken. Not 20, like yeah, 22 right. carries, 114 on the ground. And then he yeah. did have a few, uh, a few through the air as well. Yeah. And like, as long as he's doing that, they're going to win football games. They're going to have a chance. Again, I- I'll just pat myself on the back with uh, two, two big I told you so's early on this season. Um, I told you Denver wasn't going to be good. I told you Denver was going to struggle and that Russ is not a cure-all. I also, maybe I didn't tell you anything about the Colts, but I question the Colts every single time that someone tells me they're going to be great. It's like, why Why is adding an immobile, aging Matt Ryan, who why is adding him to a team immediately going to solve all your problems? It's like, you have a taller Carson Wentz now. Like, I, I don't know what. Uh, like, yeah, okay, maybe he's a better passer, better decision maker, but you're probably going to win the same amount of games with him. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, it's, it, GIF gets used all the time in texts and tweets. It's Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad, like yelling, like he can't keep getting away with, away with this. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like that's with what I'm doing with Chris Ballard. Like, he can't keep getting away with this, <laughs> just building a fine roster and then putting a band-aid quarterback over the hill there to try and like get, catch lightning in the bottom. Like when is when is his come up and it's gonna be? Because like they used to be this team with all the cap space in the world, then they went and spent all that cap space and they still don't have a quarterback, so it doesn't really matter. Six, um go get Cooper Rush next season. year. Cooper Rush six, to the Colts. Yeah, maybe, maybe Cooper Rush could be that uh, that veteran presence everyone's looking for that the yeah. that the that the Colts have just been missing, you know? Uh, let's talk Jags-Eagles. Eagles only re- uh, remaining undefeated team at 4-0, 29-21. They take down the Jags. Went down 14 nothing early and responded, which I think you're at that point with the Eagles where it's like, okay, not a fluke, really good football team, and now they've shown they can win football games in a couple different ways, in a couple different settings, in a couple different weathers. I think that they have given the most comprehensive effort 
um, outside of the Bills and Chiefs, who we know that their ceilings is higher than anybody in this league. I think the Eagles, from an NFC standpoint, have impressed well beyond just their record, like the way they've been able to win football games. Now, in that same breath, Jacksonville has been extremely impressive. They look like a playoff team, especially when you look at the rest of that division right now. Um, We'll see if they can bounce back and execute. But, you know, they lose by eight and gave it away five times. Four fumbles and an interception for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that that's like a reoccurring problem. I think it's sort of a one-off. Who'd you learn more about in this game? The Eagles or the Jaguars, Matt? Uh, I think the Jaguars, honestly, and that's not saying I didn't like nothing against the Eagles. I, the Eagles are a really good football team, and we know that they are pro- they're they're the class of the NFC right now, and they can win a lot of ways. But like now, the did the weather play somewhat of a factor, maybe? But like I was really impressed with Jacksonville going in there, and they got out to a big lead, and they played pretty well, and they they you know crumbled late and, and let Philly come back, or not late, but in that second quarter, like Philly had the big twenty point quarter. But I was impressed with like Jacksonville. I kind of expected to lose that game by two touchdowns and that was going to be coming back to earth moment for him. And it wasn't like they were yeah. in that football game. They were there. I was, I would, I learned a lot about the Jacksonville Jaguars and it's weird to say that already in week five, they're the favorites, I think to win that AFC South. I think they're the yeah. best team in that division. The Eagles have scored 85 points in the second quarter this season. Uh, I'm sure you can sort of, read into that and make statements about them. They've only scored nine points in the fourth quarter and all nine of those points came against the Jaguars. So yeah. I want to see them spread it out. I want to see them be more effective in the first quarter because they are so, excuse me, adjustment second quarter reliant that that's my only worry with the Eagles right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's Jeff, fair. But Jeff, their schedule is going to help them. Their, their schedule is going to help them Very kind easy. of Good. work out some problems. Jets Steelers. A Jets take down the Steelers. 24 to 20. Mish. Big decision at halftime. Um, I think just all of the circumstances surrounding this tell you that it was just a knee-jerk decision at halftime by Mike Tomlin. I don't think it was the right one because now there's no going back. Mm-hmm. It's Kenny Pickett the rest of the way, and you're looking at probably the hardest stretch of schedule, not just on your schedule, but on any schedule. Um, they play the Bills at oh Buffalo. I just opened up their schedule. They play the Bucks at home. They play the oh Dolphins my- in Miami. They play the Eagles in in Philadelphia, those four games. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe. They're going to be one and four. They're going to be and, no. Sorry, they're going to be one and seven. Sorry, I meant to say zero oh and four in that stretch, and then one. Yeah, and they're going to be one and seven. They're going to be Later, one and seven. Pittsburgh's going to be calling for Kenny Pickett's job already. You needed to let Mitch play through Philadelphia. That was it. You needed to just be bad and let Mitch play through Philadelphia because Kenny Pickett doesn't give you a better chance of winning football games no. at this point in his career maybe he will down the road but kenny smith or kenny i'm looking at Stephen a smith next to kenny pickett kenny pickett say, i like kenny doesn't, smith he's a good basketball analyst. kenny pickett doesn't give you a better chance to win football games i get it if you want to develop the player and get him live reps these are not the four weeks to get the live reps nope uh, uh, it, it seems yeah, like a it knee, seems like it seems a, like a knee-jerk halftime decision by mike tomlin that he now has to live with for the rest of the season Mike Tomlin, is, Mike Tomlin is a fantastic head coach. He's one of the best in the NFL. Um, this was a miss. This was a I this was so. a let the emotions get the best of them. This seemed like a little bit of a miss. So yeah, I'm with you. Nothing from the Jets. They're I don't know. I still don't love Zach Wilson. It was they won a football game against a bad football team. I'm holding out. I'm holding out. Uh, I'm holding out hope on Zach. I actually offered one of our Jets fans a heads up trade fields for Zach Wilson. Um, and I stand behind that statement right now from what we've think, seen. I think 
I think that Zach Wilson has more. I think Zach Wilson has more professional quarterback um, to his game. I, I just think he does. I don't know. I, I'm very, I'm very down on fields right now, and I get it. The offensive line, I get it. It's not the best situation. I, I, I just don't. I'm starting to not see it. I'm starting to worry about the lack of development. We talked about it. I'm not going to get into it again. Um, <laughs> the concerns are there. The concerns the, are there. Anyone who says I'm, I'm, I'm a Fields believer still, but if you're saying there's not a concern right now, you're lying. And I'm not saying there's not concerns with Zach Wilson. I'm just, mm-hmm. I think that Zach Wilson's pocket presence is a little bit more sound. Now he's also running for his life and trying to extend plays and often trying to extend them too long. But um, if you're, if you're offering me a redraft, I got to take a long, hard look at some other guys in that class. But we roll on with the Bills and Ravens, who don't have quarterback issues other than the fact that Ravens got to pay their quarterback or franchise them for the next three consecutive years, whatever the case may be. Uh, Lamar continues to look amazing in losses. You know, they've only trailed um, for like two total minutes this season, and they're a two-and-two football team. Uh, they lose late to Miami. They lose late here to the Bills. Um, the question here is more of a coaching question. What did you make of the decision tied at 20 in the red zone to go for it? Um, can you make a case that Harbaugh made the right decision here? Um, I, where, where exactly in the, where were they? They say on the 20? No, much, they were on like the five, six. Uh, I got to look at the game. How much time here. was left? Cause I gotta be honest. I, I had bears on. So this was, this was not a bears red zone. This was a strictly bears day for me. I didn't see a ton of all of these. Um, how much time was left? Let me get the exact scenario here. Interception. It was a 14-play, 93-yard drive, uh, third and goal at the Buffalo 4. Fourth and goal from the Buffalo 2. Lamar Jackson rolls right, intercepted because there was nothing there and tried to flip lo- one in the back of the end. So. I'm okay with it because this is the same decision you made, you know, what was it, um, a year ago against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Tied or at 20. One. I get I, it, if you if your quarterback four says, minutes left in the football game. I going I, for it here. I probably would going for the field goal, but if Lamar says I'm going for it, and that's the if Stop that is letting the, your quarterback decide. That's how Harbaugh has been coaching, coach. though. Like that's what he's been doing. You're the it's, head coach. Make a decision, and if you're going to make the decision to go for it, don't run play action bootleg to the short side of the field. That that's I totally I'm, run quarterback totally power. Run quarterback power with the guy who go get you two yards at any point. Totally, anyone who runs boot to the short side on in a situation like that should be stripped of play calling abilities. That I 110 percent with you. These guys all are too smart for their own good at this point. If you're going to go for it. Call See, the right damn play. I but think if you're I tied think, at 20, don't tell me I don't believe in my defense. Kick the damn field goal, take the three point lead, and go get a stop. It's the same conversation as the playoff conversation last year with the Bills not touching the football. Yeah. Go get when did defense become like this expendable portion of football? It's half of the team, it's half of the game. Go get a lead, go get a stop. I get that it's Josh Allen and one of the most potent offenses in the NFL. You really, you're really going to look at half of your roster and say, I don't believe in you. I can't give you three. I can't give you a three point lead because I don't believe in you. That's what you're telling half of your team. Uh, for me, for most coaches, I think I agree with all of that line of thinking. I think John Harbaugh is a guy that like one talks to his players, but two just coach. Like, I don't think that was a, I'm looking at the analytics here and that says go for it and we should pass on the points. I think that was a – my gut says we should go for it. I think we're going to get this. Lamar can run the ball. We can run the ball on these guys. Yeah. And that's, John Harbaugh, that's more what John I said. Harbaugh's, 
John Harbaugh's gut also told him he should point fingers at the Miami Dolphins, their head coaches, and their franchise after putting Joe Flacco punch drunk out on the field time and again. So uh, let's not. That's let's fine not, too. I was just saying not, that. I know. He's, uh, and I'm saying it's a tough week for, for Harbaugh. It was a real yeah. tough week. I think he made a lot of bad decisions on and off field. On to the next one. On to the next one. Chargers, <laughs> Texans. Chargers, 34. Texans, 24. Learn nothing. Learn nothing. Yeah. Texans Just, are 0 3 and 1. Justin Chargers, Herbert might I be healthy. Pretty bad, too. Huh? Justin Herbert might be healthy now. Like, I mean, yeah. you, and from that rib, obviously, last week you looked terrible. Um, but it seems you know like what? he might you be know, I don't know what it is. healthier now. I don't know what it is, but this is just who the Chargers are. You can move cities. You can change jerseys. They're the team with the quarterback who gets his numbers and probably won't ever win anything. Yeah. Uh, and that might be like knee jerky, but it's just like Phillip Rivers 2.0. 340 yards, two touchdown passes. You beat the Texans by 10. You're going to amass that same stat line against whoever it may be, but you're probably going to lose against the good teams. Like that's just – that's just who the Chargers are to me. I don't know. And maybe that's like uh, I'm I'm doing exactly what I said not to do with the Bears. And that's like <laughs> hold hold current players and coaches to the storylines of past players and coaches. But like from afar, that's who the Chargers are. This, the, the number heavy quarterback who's just either not going to have enough around him or the coach is going to get in his way or is going to make a bad play here or there. But they're just they're going to be the team that falls short to me. I'm still high on them I mean, in terms of being a playoff team if they can get healthy. But them getting healthy seems to be quite the stretch at this point because Bosa just seems like as talented as a, of a guy as he is, is just a guy that's going to play half a season every year and he's going to be out the other half. And Rashawn Slater is a huge loss for them. And I feel like as good as Keenan Allen is, Keenan Allen is also one of those guys who's playing every other week. And it just yep. they're, they're a team. They're, they're the ultimate what if team. I think yeah. if they could be fully healthy, like what if they were fully healthy? I think they'd be really good. And I think they'd be right there with the Chiefs, but they're not. And they never really are. And that's two things, two things. You're just opening and you're opening the door for me to say, told you so about the entire AFC West. Told you Denver wasn't going to be good. Told you. Actually, I was a little bit wrong about the Raiders. You I said the, the Raiders, Raiders were going to win the division. and that Derek Carr was going to be MVP. It's a lot of season left. <laughs> I was wrong about the Raiders. I was right about Denver and LA. Yeah, um, you I think the point that I was getting at was like, this is still Kansas City's division. This is still Kansas. Yeah. outside of the fact that I gave you a long shot ticket on the Raiders because they were last in the division in terms of odds. And I thought that, hey, I think that the disparity between four and one here isn't all that wide. Second point I want to make here um, about the Chargers is. Just go back to San Diego. Something that I. So that, that could all. That's my it. point. Could, they should go back to that, San Diego. That wasn't my point, but. Um, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. We can, <laughs> That's my second yeah, point. we can live right there. A big one coming up with Denver Cardinals and Panthers, 26 to 16 Cardinals wake up in the second half, specifically that fourth quarter to uh, get a two touchdown lead on the Panthers. Baker comes down the field, scores one late, but it's not enough. Um, why do they Baker's continue to start bad. games slowly? The Cardinals, why, why do the Cardinals? Yeah. Like, I think we know Baker's not all that good. That team's not all that good. Matt Rule is probably going to be the head coach of a college football team next season. Why do the Cardinals continue to? Why do the Cardinals continue to slow start? Why Why do they struggle so early in football games? In your mind, I don't know. I mean, I think it comes back to like it, it comes back, and it's, it's everything's on the shoulders of the coach there. But then at the same time, like they come back in these second halves and they play really well. So like that also is like a 
um, like that's a that's a nod to the coaching, but I I don't really know why. I mean, it it just seems like that's just what they do, and it's it's hard really hard to put your finger on. I mean, if they could be that team that play the the way they play in the second half, I mean, we saw that six and zero start last year. Like we saw the potential of this team when they're all there and they're playing at their best. It just seems like we rarely ever get them firing on all cylinders, and it's a very big head scratcher. And quite honestly, they probably just need a better head coach. Um, that feels like a fair assessment. A uh, better head coach, a quarterback who, I don't know, again, Kyler's got these fun intangibles. You see him beat everybody to the edge for a touchdown. It's like, oh, yeah, that's why we paid him. But who's who's the who's the guy in the locker room? Is he the voice? Is he mm-hmm. the leader? You need him to be. Um, not sure. It was, it was double XP weekend last weekend, so maybe he's up kind of late, a little tired yeah. first half. We need the new map. Patriots and Packers. <laughs> uh, Packers 27, Patriots 24 in overtime. This one, uh, both teams possessed the ball in overtime and uh, looked like we might be headed to a tie. But in the end, the Packers do move the ball down the field, get the three on an easy chip shot from Crosby. But, you know, it was a game that the Packers, I think, were favored by like nine and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't been playing their best football. Rogers said post game, winning football games this way is not sustainable. Now they win it in regulation if Dobbs doesn't drop that pass in the end zone. Um, but twenty seven twenty four against Bailey Zappi and Brian Hoyer is cause for concern for the Packers, or just like we check the box, move on. I, I still think you know I think they're a very good football team, and they will go as far as Aaron Rodgers can take them. But he is so much having to shoulder that load. Um, without the help on the outside, maybe Odell comes in late in the season. Maybe a bunch of things happen. Maybe they continue to grow because that's the standard their quarterback holds them to. But like nothing but time and space to figure it out here. They get the Giants and the Jets at home and then the commanders on the road before they face the Bills. So, I mean, they're going to be sitting at six and one and feeling really mm-hmm. good about themselves heading into that matchup in prime time against the Bills. I trust them to get it figured out, but I also like. I don't see it being any different than last year because I think when they get to the playoffs, they play a team like the 49ers that just is going to stop the run and make these like the, with how good of defense the 49ers play and how well they run the football. Like they're better than Green Bay at their own game. And you say, like, yeah, game, you know, they win that game regulation if Dobbs do, doesn't drop that ball in the end zone. But like that's their best receiver right now is, is mm-hmm. Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard. Like that's who they are. That's who they have. Like that's. It's not like that's a Devontae Adams drop that you can be like, oh, you know, Devontae never drops that. Like, that's that's the yeah. current thing that happens. It's a fluke. Like, like that, that ball might, might not be dropped a, this year. Yeah, you know, that might not be a fluke. Like, that might be a thing that happens sometimes. Yeah. And if that's who you're still relying on, like, yeah, are the Packers going to win a lot of football games this year because they have a great quarterback and their defense is better? Sure. But I don't know if come playoff time that they're going to have, like, if the Bucks get healthy – um, like, I, I don't know if they have the playmakers to get past, you know, a 49ers or a healthy Bucks team or, you know, I hell even a Cowboys team if they're playing really, really well, if the, if the defense is playing like Cooper they Rush are, is like, starting. Yeah, a Cooper Rush led Cowboys team. I think that's the <laughs> chance there. Uh, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, they're, the little cause, like they're still going to be there, but like nothing shows me that they're ready to get over the hump that they yeah, haven't been able to get over. They're going to be the there again. Years. They're going to be there again. And it might look like it has in years before. I think yeah. that's sort of where we're going fast. Uh, Raiders and Broncos. Raiders win at 32-23. I told you about this. I told you about the West. Mm-hmm. Told you told you about the West. Uh, Raiders. Raiders, Raiders finally get Adams going after two pretty quiet weeks. Nine receptions for 101. Uh, Josh Jacobs career day with 144 yards as well. They did the little things right. Not to be cliche, but like that's how they won this fo- football game as the Broncos continue to struggle to do those little things right. They are... 
excuse me, they're now two and two. Yeah, two yep. and two, oh and two on the road. Ross plays his best football game as a Denver Bronco and loses. So I, I don't know. There's just right. It was get there's right just some the weird. Ravens. There's some weirdness going on there, and I think we've talked maybe too much about it this podcast. But like, who's the guy that you're looking at? Do you believe in him? And we've talked about it in weeks past. I don't think the Broncos like Russell Wilson. I don't think that yeah, really likes it, Russell Wilson. It kind of seems like he's like he's a mercenary there, and like he's just yeah. kind of wearing the uniform. And like, uh, I don't. Uh, it on the Raiders side of things, like it was nice to see them. You know that that offense produce against what's a pretty good defense. And for as up and down as the Broncos have been this year, that defense has been pretty darn solid. It was nice to see them bounce back because I still think that's a good football team and one that's good enough to be competing for a playoff spot. And they need to get right and do it quickly, but. Yeah, the Broncos continue to just be one of the bigger disappointments in football. And yeah. man, like you talk about what what the Cowboys are paying Dak, like that doesn't look any. It's nowhere near as bad as what the Broncos are paying Russ. And that, that, this was his best game of the season: yeah. seventeen of twenty five, two thirty seven, two touchdowns. Like, okay. What I did like, if if you want to go positive, like he was ad lib artist. Russ, he was off script, and that's where he succeeded in this game. And I think Nathaniel Hackett needs to find some ways to get him to that. And I know it's hard to script off script, but like script ways him, to get him off script. Get him booting, get him yeah. out of the pocket, get him moving, get him, um, get him a little more free wielding than we've seen him thus far this season. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs and the Bucks in prime time. Chiefs win it forty-one thirty-one. A game that was not even that close. Uh, what could be the final meeting between Brady and Mahomes? Probably not. If you're reading into the tea leaves, Tom could play for five more years. Yeah, knows? Uh, 39 back. of 52 for 385 and three touchdowns for Brady. But I don't know. My my takeaway from this one is that when the Chiefs are on that level of execution, 28 points in the first half against what was to that point the best defense in the NFL, nobody mm-hmm. beats them. If the yep. Chiefs, if the Chiefs, Chiefs, the Chiefs execute the way they did in the first 30 minutes of this football game, nobody beats them. Yeah, um, they looked pretty darn unstoppable. And when you spot them seven points at the beginning of the game, too, with that fumble, like it, yep. it's going to that be very fumble, hard to beat them. The sack fumble by Brady. They had two short fields. Now, that's yeah. that's not something you want to do is give the Chiefs two short fields. But uh, for me, the ease with which they call and execute plays in the red zone is astounding. Like, I, I, I said it in the highlight, in our highlight the other night of like, Red zone offense looks near impossible for 31 teams in the NFL. The other team is the Chiefs. Yeah, they it's somehow un- it's, it's, like they're they always have a play. They always have a wrinkle. They always have a, a a scheme. They always have something to get to to get to the end zone. Hear me out here. Go ahead. We call Andy Reid and offer him a part ownership stake in the Bears and Done. let him coach. Done. Bring okay, him over deal. as long as deal. as long as he doesn't bring Maggie. No, Matt Nagy, the, the requirement is Matt Nagy then becomes head coach of the Chiefs, and Perfect. he has him and Patrick Mahomes are that team. Every time they do a cutaway to Mahomes and Nagy on the sideline, I the freaking I I don't I laugh. laugh. I'm like get him get him away from him. Don't get, ruin him. Get him away from him. But I do have to say, Nagy had himself an off season because his tan is holding strong. Like Good he has him. a he has a I'm not a head coach anymore tan now, and it seems to be living the life. So good on you, Matt Nagy. Uh, Rams Niners rivalry matchup goes down the way it's gone down many times in the past with the Niners twenty four to nine, led by their defense, seven sacks, a pick six. 
just what, like that. This is this game is what I love about the NFL. Like we're ready to say the Niners are garbage. Jimmy G can't do it. They're not going to be a playoff team. And then the defense just comes out and says, shut up. Like we're, mm-hmm. we are who we are. We're going to run the football. We're going to get into some quick sets. Uh, defense is going to sack the quarterback. Defense is going to make things hard. Defense is going to give you short fields. Defense is going to pressure. They're just like, a. I think even if you want to like dial even further into what they are and who they are, you saw exactly who the San Francisco 49ers are on that touchdown by Debo. It's a five-yard pass to the left side, late by Jimmy, squeaks through. That defines who they are as an offense. Like Late throw, got away with it. But then Debo turns up field, and everybody's finding a hat. Kittle sprung him early, took like two guys out with a block. You got Mike McGlinchey getting downfield. You got Brandon Ayuk making sure his his uh, receiver doesn't get touched from the five-yard line in. Like, yeah, Debo probably gets in without that block, but he takes a hit. Like, mm-hmm. they're just a t- team. They are a team that enjoys playing with each other. They're a team that believes in a quarterback regardless of what the public's saying. They're a defense that wants to rip quarterbacks to shreds. They're so much fun to watch. I, I love yeah. watching the 49ers year I in love, and year out. I love that team and because the way they're constructed there are just going to be weeks like last week against Denver where you know Jimmy yeah. has a bad night and the offensive yeah. line just isn't grooving and those games happen. But there are going to be more more games like the ones that happened last night because if you have that running game like the Niners do, that's going to travel a lot. That's going to be there more times than not. When it's not, you're going to lose, but it's there a lot. And that defense is so incredibly good. They just you, you you described it really well. Like the effort level is always there. Like they're yeah. always going out to make the extra block, get the extra man in on a pile to make a tackle. Like it's they're just relentless, and they are going to be right there. They're going to. They, I think they're going to win this division. They're going to be right there in January in a divisional game, probably a conference championship game with a chance to go to Super Bowl. Whether or not they get the job done, I don't know. But I just it's this team is just always going to be there as long as Kyle Shanahan's there, as long as his defensive core is there. Like they're just that good. They're the weird. Like usually when we're talking about teams that are fun to watch, we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs who are you know high flying. We're talking about the Bills who are throwing the ball fun. three times a game. It's a different type of fun. Yeah. But man, when the Niners are working, they are so fun to watch. I hope they win the Super Bowl too, so we can again say the Bears beat the Super Bowl champions. Bears um, win the Super Bowl. Bears Bears transverse property Super Bowl. It'll be two in three years. Transitive. Transitive property. We're actually talking if the, if the Niners win the Super Bowl this year, we're actually talking Bears Niners. Transitive property. Two and three years. People are starting to say. I um, I'm just whispering it. Not saying that's fine. Just whisper. That's fine. We, we won't. We'll, we'll get. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, I'm going to give out a game ball here. D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator dialed it up because this is a team that traditionally only brings four-man pressure and gets home at like an alarming rate with four-man pressure, brought some exotic blitzes, brought some secondary blitzes, um, threw some stuff at Stafford that made him really uncomfortable throughout this game. Awesome, awesome scheme by D'Amico Ryans and that defense um, with the 49ers, and they're just they're right. Just- right decision, too. With this, with this Rams offensive line that's banged up and struggling even when they're healthy, like confuse the hell out of them and they're going to struggle. I know they probably could have gotten home with just four, but when you saw what the Giants did to the Bears, like with a banged up on not that very good offensive line, confuse the hell out of them, send twists, send blitz, get get a little creative, don't give them the same look all the time, and they are going to struggle. That's exactly what happened. 
uh, Nick Bosa had a sack from he's lined up with a nine technique and stunted all the way into like the opposite a gap. Like it was <laughs> the he was like a th- he like he stunted behind like three guys and got home. It was wild. Um, but they're just a whole lot of fun to watch because they do those types of things. But yeah. that is week four in the NFL. Week five is on the way, Matt. Let's get to uh, some locks here. And then I think we do have to also tip our caps to Aaron Judge. It'd be wrong if we did not. But uh, lock of the week. You've got a couple baseball things to get into, I think. I lost again. Uh, I'm one and three. You won again. You're three and one. This is how we started last season. So don't sound the alarms just yet. But uh, um, again, T Box is yours. Uh, What do you love? You know, uh, I'm going to, I don't like laying this many points on the road. I'm in between two, but I'm going with the team we just talked about, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, laying six and a half at Carolina. Carolina's not good. The Panthers just went in there one by 10. This is not one of those 11 a.m. starts. It's 9 a.m. local. This is the 3 o'clock kickoff, 4 o'clock Eastern, so normal body clocks, all that good stuff. Uh, I I like the Niners to go out there and kind of just dominate the Panthers. I think they're just – I don't think the Panthers can keep up with anything that the 49ers want to do. Um, So I think it's a lower-scoring game. The total's only only 38.5. I wouldn't touch it, but this feels like a 24-7, to 24-7, similar to like the last game, like 24-9 to kind of win. All right, you're uh, you're playing right into my game script because I'm staying there as well. But things have not gone my way. Uh, a couple bad breaks here early at one and three. Panthers team total under the sixteen and a half. I'm so high on mm. this San Francisco defense, um, and they're not the type of group that like does what they did on Monday night and then flops. They they stack up these beatings on top of one another. I think they completely just throw Baker into submission. Uh, sixteen and a half is just wishful thinking. We're talking about the Panthers scoring two touchdowns. We're talking about two touchdowns and two, two point conversions. We're talking about, yeah, it's just not, it's just not happening. Team total okay. under 16 and a half for the Panthers this week. Uh, that we're is a Niners pod this week, basically. Uh, the week. Niners bang, bang, Niner gang. Uh, we do have to talk about a little bang, bang to the tune of 62. Uh, mm-hmm. Aaron judge does it a night ago and, um, really places himself amongst a rare, rare history. Uh, now holds the American League home run record at 62, passing Roger Maris. And to me, and I know it can't be lined or said, or I don't know, it's it's taboo for some reason to like write off those those seasons that were marred by steroid controversy. But this is the greatest clean season in the history of the sport to me. This is. Barring something coming out in the future, it won't. Aaron Judge has been this big since he was 12. Yeah. Um, this is the greatest non-steroid season offensively in baseball history. And I don't think it's being appreciated as such. I'm fine that it's not being appreciated as such because that's just where baseball is at as a game right now. It's really not pop culture anymore the way it was in the 90s when we were wondering every day when we got out of school if Sammy homered or if McGuire homered yeah. or anything of that sort or if Barry homered um, in the early 2000s. But this is something different. It needs to be more respected than it is right now because 62 home runs in a season and hitting – what's the, I think he's dipped below 300 or he's right around 300 right now on the season. But hitting the average that he's hitting while hitting all these home runs in a game that really doesn't promote average anymore. It is a rare, rare occurrence. And I think it needs to be more appreciated than it is right now. Yeah. It's an unbelievable accomplishment, unbelievable season. I don't really know why it lacked the excitement for me. Maybe it is that it's, you know, going through right in the middle of football season. And that's just kind of where I'm dead focused on, but like, 
it's there, there's no doubt about it. It was an, it's a very exciting season. I, I, it's still hitting three eleven. Yeah, so. it's it's still hit. It, it was an amazing accomplishment. Sixty two home runs is something clean is something I've never seen in my life. But like, even though the way Bonds and Sosa and McGuire got there wasn't you know was dirty and, and was steroided up, like the excitement for that. I, I maybe it's because I was a kid. Maybe it's, you know, I was a little kid, and yeah. you know you kind of worship those guys. Um, maybe it was because the way it was covered. Maybe I, I don't really know why, but it just it lacked the the something from what those guys were doing at that time. I don't really know why. I truly don't because Aaron Judge is a likable guy. He's an incredible talent. He's a ma- he's you know this big massive hulking dude. Like he just it, bet on himself. Yeah, he just turned down two hundred and thirty million dollars and then went out and had the greatest offensive season in the history of the New York Yankees. I can't wait like, to that see needs what to contract be, he signs. That needs to be said out loud. Yeah. Huh. I can't wait to see what contract he signs next year and where. Like, how I just much hope of- it's in New York. I, I it would just be such it'd be such a miss for their heart and went, soul to go sign a contract in L.A. or somewhere else, or in, in be the other side Washington, or or in San Diego, or in New York with the Mets. Like, I think it's going to be flushing. I think it's going to be in Queens. Tell I, I hope oh, they pay him. Sell but a I don't- couple of those. Sell a couple of those assets. It's going to be. $48 million a year, and it needs to be in the Bronx. Because if it's not, that team completely hits the reset button. Yeah, completely. It, you pretty much have to if you let him walk. Because I, um, but this, like last year, like they're really good this year, but they're also aging. And if you let him go, like you're going to go back to being Ochoa last year, which was a middling 500 ish team to miss the playoffs. What you need to understand though here, and like I, I it's something that I've understood because I've, I'm close to it. Um, Yankees fans are always putting another hurdle in front of you, and understandably so. He has not produced in October. He has not produced in the postseason. That's what they want to see. If he produces in the postseason after hitting 62-plus home runs and hitting 311, there's there's just no excuse. Like if, mm-hmm. if he flops in the postseason, you'll be able to win over a lot of Yankees fans and say, we're not giving him a half a billion dollars because we need someone who can produce in October, and he's just not been able to do that. That's their out. If that happens, but if he yeah. produces here in these next few weeks, there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. I guess we'll have to see. Um, and then lastly, Tony's Sox finally fired. gone. Sox no, no, up. he retired. He yeah. retired. He Joe. got retired. He retired. No, yeah. I mean, it does actually seem like there is a health concern or two with Tony. So hopefully, yeah. obviously he's okay and all that. Um, I listened to the whole Rick Hahn press conference. I don't, it was fine, but it's still kind of like it sounded a lot like the last one. Um, he said, you know, I'm heading up the search, but it's a collaborative effort. So that doesn't really like that doesn't tell me a whole lot until we actually see who the hire is. Said, you know, we definitely want to look outside the organization, like being in the White Sox family isn't a prerequisite. But they said that last time I was talking about it with my brother yesterday. And like, I will believe like if the hire happens quickly. You know, unless unless they hire like a Joe Espot or someone that's, you know, coaching until World Series. If the hire happens in the next couple of weeks or, you know, there's whispers that this is, you know, the guy, they just are waiting for him to finish out his season. Um, I will believe it's Rick. But if this thing drags out, you know, a, a month, a month and a half, there's zero doubt in my mind that we're just heading down the same path and it's Jerry meddling and it's Jerry kind of making the decision, pulling all the yeah. strings. So I think we'll find out pretty soon. Um Bruce kind of Bochy. who's making that decision. I hope to God it's Bruce Bochy. That would Bruce be Bochy. fantastic. That name does keep popping up too. And it seems like a where there's, Bruce smoke, there's fire thing. So go do it. Go hire Bruce Bochy and then get creative with making some trades and free assignments of free agents in the offseason. 
Yeah, because this this was about as big of a disappointment for the White Sox as I can remember since what they do in 06. They no, that was actually a good team. They won like 90 plus games. They just were in an awesome division. They finished third. Okay. That that okay. came to mind, but it's, it's one of the bigger disappointments I can remember in White Sox history. In my this in is, my personal history with the team, yeah, the year they started twenty three and ten. Um, that was what, they, like three years ago, four years ago. No, that was like eleven. That was a while. That was like Todd Frazier and Brett Lowry, and like they started like twenty three. Oh, and okay, 10. yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it was like, or maybe it was even I don't know, fourteen. Something like that. Whatever. Yeah. Eight, nine, ten, seven years ago, they started like twenty three and ten, and like. They looked like they were going to go run and get the division. Hey, like it was hey, going to be Cubs Sox World Series. Maybe let's not explore other heartbreaks. Maybe we got enough right here on our plate. How about that? Fair. That's fair. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> let's, just, let's just save ourselves from that. Uh, and that's with that, smart. we that's thank smart. the Moose and Roots listeners for being with us, for bearing with us, and for sitting down and having these conversations each and every week. We hope you appreciate them. We hope you enjoy them as much as we do doing them. Uh, Matt, you got anything else for the people? I don't. Enjoy your football this weekend. Enjoy the football. He's Matt. I'm Joe Matt. Think about it, the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>